can't be this stupid. Oh, come on, this is a misunderstanding. I'm just a regular, normal, ordinary guy. And I'm late to meet my best friends in the whole world. And they're probably missing me right now. They're probably out looking around. Hey, where's Emmett? Hey, where's my best friend Emmett? Hey, you know what? Ask all my friends. They'll tell you. Oh, we asked them all right. Boom. That guy's not a criminal mastermind. See? Yeah, you know, he's kind of a average, normal kind of guy. Thank you. But you know, he's not he's not like normal like us. No, he, <laughs> he he's not that special. Wait, I'm so confused. Who are we talking about? Wait, does he work with us? I don't know. Gail doesn't remember me? Look at Randy here. <laughs> he likes sausage. That's something. Gail is perky. That's something. And Harry, well, when you say Harry, I go... <laughs> when you say the other guy, I go... Harry's like that. Harry! I know that guy, but I know, like, zippy zap about him. We just talked earlier. I mean, all he does is say yes to everything everybody else is doing. You know, he's just sort of a little bit of a blank slate, I guess. That'll be $42, please. We all have something that makes us something, and Emmett is... Nothing. There you go. I told you I said nobody. Toward the end of that heart-wrenching scene, one of the construction worker guys, he said the line that we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at, and that was the idea that everybody has something that makes them somebody. Everybody has something. And so what we're talking about is the way that each and every one of us is uniquely wired by God to not just be someone who does something, but to be exceptional, to be a type of person, which we already are, that God loves, that God has wired to advance his kingdom. And being here right now, part of you being here today, you're not just at a building that has air conditioning, which is a lot better than where we were a year ago. You're part of a church. You gathered today at a church, and the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is the hope of the world. Today, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians 4. Where I'm going to start reading in verse 1. We're going to spend some time there, look at some stories and stuff like that. But Ephesians 4, verse 1, it says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, and just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and in all and living through all. And that is the why and that is the how of how, how Jesus's church for the last 2,000 years has unstoppably continued to change the world. And that's true here. That's true in Asia. That's true where we looked at uh, in Uganda on missions moment. That's true in South America. It's true everywhere because that is the spirit of God funding and fueling people like us to live in a way that changes the world. So how? How does that happen? How does us being exceptional step into this thing called the church? How, what, like, what's God's plan in that? 
And the plan is that is this, the local church is only effective because of the unique and diverse spiritual gifts of its people. Right there, there's the answer to that question that Emmett said earlier, where, where the construction guys said earlier. We all have something that makes us something. And for us who make this place up, for those of us who are Jesus followers, that something is God's plan and that something is God's presence living inside of us. That's the secret beyond, behind everything. Is this no longer like we sang a couple minutes ago? It's no longer I who live, but Jesus who lives through me. And that living through us changes who we are inside. It takes our brokenness. It takes the areas where our lives run by us completely fall apart. It takes us and it begins to change us. Slowly over time, it makes us more like Jesus. And then he does that work that he's done in us. He does that work through us. This is why we got Legos on everything, because if you build Legos, you've ever seen Legos, everything has the, has the same dimensions, but each piece is unique. You've got those little dots. All of them are the same distance apart from the other little dots that are around there. But people fuse those things together, make that stuff work. And Lego has a billion-dollar industry because you take all these weird-looking pieces together, like organize them in the right way, and everything works out perfectly. And the church is the same way. The church is built, us as an institution, us as a movement here in Southeast Fresno, we exist because not everybody is the same. We exist because we are wired and fueled and loved and redeemed and saved by the same God. And then part of him moving into our lives not only changes us from the inside, but it gives us gifts that God knows about that live inside of you and me that God uses to change the world. For all of us growing up from the moment that we're born until we're, like how we got here, here, we have realized there are things about us that we're better at than other areas. And that's how it is with spiritual gifts. Is there things in our lives that we're just flat out better than? Now, all of us who are talking spiritual gifts here, we all function in every single gift. Everything we're going to talk about for the next five weeks, all of this can be seen in some area of our lives. But as we press into areas where you and I are gifted, where we are operating within our spiritual gift, it's a point where, it, where there's more peace, where it feels natural, where life and us living as believers inside of a church just operates different. Like think back to not Lego movie, but a different movie, Castaway, right? He's on the island. He's already made friends with the volleyball, no longer cutting his hair, and he's got a toothache. There's no option to go to the dentist. So what does he do? He gets an ice skate in a boulder, and he does the work of dentistry. Now, know that. As soon as Tom Hanks' character gets back on land and finds out that his girlfriend has married somebody else and already has a kid, she waited, like you run the math on this later when you get home, she waited about a weekend just to see if he was saved. Like, because he shows up and there's a kid who's almost as old as the time that he's been gone. Let me spoil that movie for you. But it's not like Tom Hanks comes back and immediately decides, you know what? I'm no longer going to the dentist. All I need is a boulder and an ice skate, and I'm good for life. He doesn't decide that. Like, as soon as he was back, you know that he's going to the dentist. He's getting that stuff fixed right. And that's how spiritual gifts work. Because in all of us, we're all already hardwired to do some things well inside the church and some things by necessity. 
All right, last week we got to see that working in, in awesome ways, okay? So last week was our summer spectacular celebration. We had kids up here dancing. We had movie, we had videos everywhere. We had lights all crazy in sync with the music and all that stuff. And that's because Tim, the guy who runs worship and runs so many different things here, is really gifted in that and he loves it. Like he understands that and he has a heart desire to make that part of church really, really good. So that part ended, and then there's another guy whose gifting kind of came to the surface. It's a guy named Nate. Nate, I don't know, do, do you sing? No, don't sing. If we put you up here with a guitar and with a microphone, you'd probably say, hey, somebody should go get Tim, right? Yeah, and you'd be the first one to say that, right? Because that's not you. But after church, there's a guy who came because he saw a party and he saw everybody happening, and he was going through some stuff that Nate is wired to deal with. Not just deal with like in a restrictive way, but deal with in a redemptive way. So you flip the script and you know, Tim is out there instead and, and a guy walks up that, that like he fits the type of person that Nate ministers to. You know what Tim would say? Tim wouldn't say, hey, let me give him a guitar. I'm gonna sing you a song. Everything's gonna be better. You know, no, you know what Tim would say? Tim would say, hey, somebody should go get Nate. Because Nate's already wired for helping people like this. Nate doesn't need to sing because Nate helps people. And it's not like Tim is opposed to helping people and Nate's opposed to singing. Like worship happens and part of the reason why we turn up the speakers loud is that nobody can hear anybody else. It's like it's our own get out of jail free for bad singing card. That's why I sit really close to the speakers so nobody hears me, everything is good. But inside of us, there's a desire to help people, to worship God, to do this stuff. And there's also a mark where we see, man, this is going really well. This is a place where I am wired to serve. And that's the way that God created it. It says in verse 7, it says, However, God gave each one of us a spiritual gift through the generosity of Christ. Skip, skip to uh, 11. And it says, Now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we will all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete complete standard of Christ. So what we're going to do for the next five weeks is we're going to look at the five gift categories that are described in that passage. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And we're going to see how those are an invitation from God to us to press into surrendering and to serving him. Because it's already stuff, it's already values, it's already things inside of us that God has wired us for that God wants to use to build up the church. And if you're thinking, okay, I'm going to check out because I can't have one more thing on my schedule, not interested, I'll see you in September, it's going to be good. My challenge to you is as we leave today, there's going to be two sign-up tables in the back, and all you're signing up for is a phone call. Write your name, write your number, and all that is is me saying, you saying, I'm open to a phone call about what this would look like in my life. One of my things about ministry is people serve in areas where they're interested in and we're already gifted. There are a lot of people that I work with who do great things behind the scenes who don't want to be on the platform with a microphone attached to their face. Like, that's not where they roll. And so if you're thinking, I don't want to sign up because I don't want to have to do whatever thing. 
What you're signing up for is a phone call where we begin to explore what does God have for you? How has God wired you to serve? And the first of those gifts that we're going to look at today is the apostolic gift. The apostolic gift is the brain of the church. They're the ones who set things in motion. That's the center of our bodies, of the church, where nerve impulses go out to get stuff done. Apostles start things, they train leaders, and they sacrificially reproduce themselves through the church. They live at 30,000 feet above sea level to see things going on and see things happen way before they actually happen. See things in motion way before they actually happen. And there's a person in the Bible who functions really well in the apostolic gift, and his name is Barnabas. Barnabas is an amazing life for us to follow, even if it's a difficult name to put on your kid. But I love Barnabas because there's so many things that Barnabas does that are small. It's like two verses. But because he does them, everything changes. And we're going to look at some of those today. So within the apostolic gift, there's five others, five little ones. So we're going to look at like five umbrellas and then gifts that hang under those. And first one of those is apostles. Apostles begin new things that advance God's kingdom. So where we meet Barnabas uh, is in Jerusalem, but after he's in Jerusalem for a little while, he moves to Syria. And while he's in Syria, Acts chapter 13 happens, and it says, one day, these men were worshiping God, Barnabas is one of them, worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Like, I love this about Barnabas because this is already the second time in this short book where he's had to move a long ways. He grew up in Jerusalem. He, was, he met Jesus in Jerusalem. Stuff happened in Jerusalem where all the followers of Jesus ran, and he ran to Syria. And so right away, the Holy Spirit is there. He's worshiping in church, and the Holy Spirit says, hey, Barnabas and Saul, these guys need to move again. And the thing is, is because he's already wired to start new things and see new things happen, he's not upset. If you're thinking, man, is this the type of thing for me? Is this who I am? Is this where I am gifted? If you constantly are here and looking around this place and thinking about church, and the line that's in your head is, it'd be really cool if Sunnyside did blank, then this is you. This is you because you're seeing things happen that you think should happen before they're happening. And it's really you if you're thinking, you know what, I'm going to be the type of person who actually starts this from nothing. This is the entrepreneurial type of leadership where you start something within the church where nothing used to be. And so much of what happened, the fact that we're here now sitting at this place happened because 15 years ago, somebody decided I want there to be a church in Southeast Fresno where there isn't one right now. And 15 years later, we're here. So if you're the type of person who says, it'd be really great if this happened, even though it's not there right now then this is you. You're an apostle. Sign up in the back. I'll call you this week. We talk about what this is for you. You don't need to show up to anything. You're not surrendering the next nine years of your life. It starts with a phone call. So you got the apostles. Next, you got the leaders. Leaders are the chief everything officers who lead people to win together. The chief everything officer. I say that because leadership in the church is service. Jesus said in this world, the leaders, they sit on the top and everybody else serves them. And in the church, it's totally different because we sit on the bottom and we serve everybody else. That's the model that Jesus set for us. And leaders lead people. Nobody in the church leads alone. Leaders lead people. That means that we have a sensitivity, a flexibility in our spirit, realizing that us walking, pushing everything forward means that stuff doesn't always happen the way that we would want it to happen because we value people more than we value results. 
This is what it looks like to lead in the church and operate under the gift of leadership. Leaders balance personalities so that everybody can, so that as many people as possible can win. And Barnabas was a leader. There were changes that he has to make. There's adjustments he has to make. You read his story and you see all the adjustments that he makes in life because he's an apostolic leader who's blessed with the gift of leadership. And next up is encouragers. Encouragers build up and affirm other members of the body. They build up and affirm other members of the body. Man, this is welcome team here. This is people who stand out there on a Sunday morning, whether it's 90 degrees or whether it's 19 degrees, and we're there to encourage people as they walk into church. For somebody who doesn't go to church at all, and maybe this is you today, the idea of sitting down in a religious place and having somebody talk to you about hell and judgment and sin and stuff, that's intimidating. So we try to beat back the intimidation as early as possible by putting really nice people out there who want to smile and encourage you and welcome you to this place so that you know before you even get in and feel the blessed air conditioning on your skin, I matter here. This place is welcoming. Encourages also see leaders that nobody else does. This is where I want to be, all right? I'm the little kid with the wiffle ball bat pointing at the fence 500 feet away and then swinging and missing. That, that's just me. I want, like, this is a gift I ask for God. I want eyes to see the leaders that nobody else sees. One, because it's really cool to see them succeed. Like, that is a win. And then people come back to you and say, I never thought that God could do this with my life. And I get to think, yeah, God did. God knew it. God knew that he was going to take you and he was going to place you at this place and you're going to serve and you're going to change lives and you yourself are going to be changed. Like, that is a massive reward. And the cost of that is, yes, yeah, sometimes I swing and miss big time. One place that we didn't swing and miss because it was somebody else's idea uh, was about three years ago when we were looking for a kid's person. And I had asked some ladies if they would do it, if they were interested. And, and somebody said, hey, there, there's a 20-something single guy in your church who'd probably be really good running kids. You should ask him. If you think of the type of person who's going to take good care of children, it's not a 20-something guy, right? Let's just be honest about that one. Oh, and he's single. So there's no kids running around his house that he's already learned how to take care of. None whatsoever. And so we asked Alex three years ago. And over that time, Alex did an awesome job with kids. And today is his first Sunday at his new church in Minnesota. And that's him this morning. I should ask him, but is that white stuff snow? I don't know. It's Minnesota, so it probably is. But you know what? Let's pray for him right now. Uh, and we're going to pray God's blessing on him as he goes to a totally new place. Like, he knows nobody there, uh, but Jesus can put connections together really, really quickly. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your son. Alex, thank you that you knew all along that he was going to do some years with us uh, and use that as a springboard toward uh, Mountain Lake, Minnesota. We pray that you bless his time there and that he is going to be an asset in that kingdom that points people who are far from you to relationship with you and that he gets to see legacies and families changed because of the work you do through him. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So encouragers, they, they see the leaders that nobody else sees. They got the guts to call people out to serve and say, I see the hand of God on your life to serve in this area. And you get the privilege of seeing God work through people that, that nobody else expected. The next is the gift of faith. Uh, the gift of faith is unusual confidence in applying God's will. 
So the beginning of the church, when, when we start to see Barnabas' name mentioned, it's this huge mission with huge vision and a tiny little budget. So there's got to be a way around this. In Acts chapter 4, it says this. It says, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. There was no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barabbas, or Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came to the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. Like for this for Barnabas, it's, it's not a matter of risk. Like he's selling a huge thing that he owns that could fund his retirement and continue to provide for his kids and kids and kids. But like we said, he's an apostle. He sees everything from 30,000 feet up. So he sees a tiny plot of land that he can sell that's going to expand this mission, that's going to continue to reach people. And within 300 short years, the entire Roman Empire is going to be converted to Christianity. And it starts because there's a guy in Palestine He's okay with parting with a piece of land. To him, it's not a risk. To him, it's an investment. For people who have the gift of faith, they see what God wants to do. They see the things that are going to lead to that, the dominoes that are going to, dominoes that are going to fall, that are going to make that happen. And they say, yeah, that's the type of thing I can give towards. That's the type of thing I can get behind. Because the gift of faith allows us to see what God is doing and to see risks, not as bad things, but as opportunities to step into God's work. The last part is the gift of wisdom, which puts priorities around the church's ability to reach the world. The gift of wisdom puts priorities around the church's ability to reach the world. In church ministry, one thing that we're all about is the fact that God loves people that all of us, me included, are sinful, that Jesus came into the world to die for our sins, bring us back into a relationship with God, and we get to make a decision about how that impacts and affects us. That's the good news. We're married to that. And nothing, not even death, will separate the church from that. We continue to talk about that. God loves us, sin separates us, Jesus dies for us, and we make a decision about how that affects us. But everything else is open for change. Like we learned last year, that church inside, that's debatable. Words on a screen, one day that's going to be so old-fashioned because they're going to have holograms or something else. Music with guitar and drums and, and keyboards and stuff like that. Some of you are like, man, that's already old-fashioned. But one day, everything else is going to change. And Paul knew that, or Barnabas knew that there were things in his life that were going to change. So we mentioned that guy, Paul, earlier. Paul's actually the one who wrote this book of Ephesians. And the only reason that any Christians knew about Paul was because Barnabas had the gift of encouragement, and Barnabas went and saw Paul, sought Paul out when he was a brand new Christian. Nobody trusted him. Barnabas said, this is the type of guy who can build a church. This is the type of guy who's going to change the world. And so it says in the book of Acts chapter 9, when, Paul, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They didn't believe that he had truly become a believer because up until that day, he was trying to kill Christians. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on his way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Right? It's encouragement. It's, it's there. He's seeing the leader that nobody else sees. And then there's a moment in Acts chapter 15, where they have a disagreement. And it's not good versus bad, it's good versus great. And because Barnabas 
has the gift of wisdom, he says, you know, it's not gonna be good for us to continue to stay together and to fight. We need to split up. Because if we split up and we do two different missionary journeys, we're gonna reach twice the amount of people. And so Barnabas makes the wise decision, makes the difficult decisions, makes the impossible decision to split. Wisdom is the red light or the green light given to whether or not something is God's will for the church. It's us deciding whether or not this is a step forward that we should take as a church. And people like this, this is the Lego piece that's missing to build the church. All of these are the unique Lego piece that fits inside of your heart and mind that's necessary to build the church. And so for the challenge for us for the next five weeks isn't to correct everything and to say thumbs up, thumbs down, but okay, God, what do you have for me? Where do you have this to live out and to be born out of my life in a way that's going to reflect you, in a way that's going to make you look good? Because each and every one of us, within us, the line from the video, within all of us, there is something that makes us someone. It makes us someone to God, someone that God sees and is worth dying for, worth forgiving our sins to bring us into a relationship with him. And then it's worth mobilizing us, sending us out into the world to make a difference. That's where we stand. That's where we sit in this because Jesus came into the world to set us free and to send us out to make a difference. Let's stand and let's pray.